Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. But I'm going to preach today and continue on the church. And our central idea has been this, and I'll let you sit down. The church directly, no, I'll let you sit down, hold on. The church directly opposes Satan and his cohorts. We stand, say I stand, as a unified body in love through Christ, standing in the power and the anointing that we have received through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and his word. This is the church. You are the church. It is a church that is standing, that is not defeated, that is not stagnant, that is not just waiting, but we are moving forward and accomplishing what God has purposed and called us to do as his people. Amen? Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here today that the word of God is alive. I thank you that it's alive in them. I thank you, God, right now for a love that gets in the hearts and the minds of every person today that comes from their spirit. It is a spirit within us that produces love. So, God, I thank you that we're not trying to get love, but, God, love is being produced out of us because you are in us. You are love. And, God, I thank you that you have put your spirit in us, so, therefore, we have love in us. I thank you our nature, Father God, is a nature of love. I thank you, though, the flesh directly opposes it. God, I thank you that we submit it to the spirit of God. We submit it to the spirit of love. God, I thank you right now that we as a body grow in love. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Come on, say, it's time to grow in love. Grow in love. Man, I have a word right now, and I got enough time for it. Perfect. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Here at Pursuit Church, we always preach from the level of the word of God, not opinions and ideas. We just expound upon the word, and so we want to always minister his scripture or the scriptures to you. We want the word of God to be the place where you go to rather than going to someone's ideas. You know, this is why listening to podcasts, YouTube videos, and things of that nature can be beneficial, but it's really important for you as a believer to get in the word of God yourself. It's very important. It's important for you that everything that I say, that you go back and look, did he say it right? Did he say it right? Prove me wrong in that aspect. You know what I mean? Go to the word. See if it lines up. And don't line it up with your own perspective and with your own opinions and your own ideas. Because when we do that, we get into a place of distorted views. We get into a place of having dysfunction within our life as Christians. And then that's where you begin to experience the enemy through a yielding because of not having right truth in you or biblical truth in you, and the enemy is easily able to shift and to cause you to get away from what God has purposed for you to do. That makes sense? Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew 16, verse 18. And it says this, let's start at verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So he's talking to his disciples. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. 
And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So this revelation that Peter got of who Jesus was was not through just being with him, but it was by God in heaven. It was a revelation. Can I tell you today that God still gives revelation? But let me help you. It always confirms with his word. Fresh revelation will come, but it will always confirm in his word. So if you ever feel like you got a revelation and an understanding of the things of God, if it doesn't confirm with his word, I'm going to help you. It's not God. Because God's Bible or the Holy Bible is God's word. And so if it's something contrary to that, well, it ain't God. It's another spirit. Can I get an amen? And it said this, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. On this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I help you today that the church is still being built today? The church is not done building. It didn't stop during that time. It didn't get to a place where, like, this is the church. We're still building. God is still building his church. He is building. I think when we have an understanding that he builds a church, and it's not us that builds the church, because the Bible says if we build it, then we are laboring in vain. But if he builds it, well, it's done right. He is building Pursue Church. He is building our lives. He is building your family. And upon this revelation that Jesus is the firm foundation, the rock, upon this revelation, guess what? The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. No demon on this earth, not even Satan himself, can prevail against the church. It's time that the church gets a spiritual backbone and understand what we have in Christ. Now, with this understanding that we are the church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it, we have to understand that God has given us keys. If you continue to read, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, you shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So he says, I give you keys, and I want to talk about one of those keys. Love. Say love. Today we are a church that stands in love. If we do not understand the love of God, then it is going to be impossible for us to have proper faith in God, for us to have or for us to produce properly in our life. If we do not see love and know love, in the right context and in the biblical way, everything else will fall. Everything else will be ineffective according to God's word, according to his will. So we have to get a biblical understanding of what love is and how the church is supposed to love. We live in a day and age where the concept of love has crept its way, and I'm talking about a worldly love, a secular love, a carnal love, has swept its way or crept its way into the church. And it is a false idea, it's a false narrative. If the church ever receives anything from the world and turns it into the gospel, it's wrong. It's a counterfeit from the real gospel. I'm preaching real good right now. 
If your truth comes from an understanding of the world's concepts rather than a biblical concept, it's not of God. If how you view love and how you view people is through your own perception and experiences and the ways you think it should be and not through the way his word says it is, it's not love. It's natural love. It's earthly love. It's carnal love. It's human love. And there is a difference. And we're going to get into it. So in order to understand that the church stands in love, we have to first go through the ideas, what is love? What is love? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, and I'm going to read a lot of 1 Corinthians 13 and break a lot of it down to you in a second. But let's go to the verse 13. And it says this, and now abides faith, hope, and love. Another translation says charity. And the greatest of these is love. 1 John 4, 8 says this. 1 John 4, 8, he that love, or he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Another translation says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is is love. God is love. The Bible says that God is love. It also says that love is even greater than faith and hope. Since God is love, then we have to have an understanding of what love is. Amen? We have to. We got to understand what love is because we're really good at understanding what hope and faith are, but when it comes to love, That's more important because before we can understand faith and hope, or before we can understand love, no, actually I said it right, before we can understand faith and hope, we got to understand love because our faith and hope will be weak. It will be ineffective without knowing, rightly dividing what love is. See, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Bible says in the King James Version that love is charity. And this word really means, and I'm probably going to mess it up, Christina, I'm sorry, agape. Say agape. Christina's Greek, if you didn't know. The Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek. So I have someone to correct me. It's good, though. I, I take it. See, this word agape was translated as charity because it doesn't really express the full meaning of the Greek word that is used in this verse. According to the dictionary, the word charity means this, a benevolent goodwill toward or love of humanity. But the actual Greek word is used, that's used here is agape, which means the love of God. The love of God. Other places in the New Testament, the word agape is translated love instead of charity. So if you've ever seen that before, that's why. For example, in 1 John 4, 8, the Bible literally says that God is agape. God is love. God is love. If you want to know what love is and how to love, you're going to have to know God. You're going to have to know God. The church is going to have to know God because that's the only way you will know what love is. The word agape means the God kind of love. So what is the agape or the love of God? Now, before I answer that, I want to show you something about the love of God. The Bible says that love is greater than faith and hope. But why is God's greater love 
Or why is God's love greater than hope or faith? First of all, faith will not work without love. It won't work. In other words, faith is dependent on love in order to work. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't love, it don't work. If you have unforgiveness in your heart and bitterness and anger and frustration towards somebody, guess what? Your prayers, God can't hear them. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith working through love. Say it, faith works only through love. You can see that the love, or that love would have to be greater if faith won't work without it, right? We see that. It takes love to make faith work. Now, second, faith won't work without hope. We know the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith gives substance to our hope, right? So we have to have hope in order for faith. You have to have hope for something before your faith can give substance to it. So faith, guess what, is also dependent on hope. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is what we've been teaching on Wednesdays. You see, if you don't have hope for anything, your faith will not work because it has no goal or object to believe God for. Therefore, faith cannot work without hope. Also, faith is dependent on love in order to work. We know this. That's why the Bible says that love is greater than hope and faith. Now, let's go through 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. I'm going to break some scripture down for you. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Everyone know what a cymbal is? Who doesn't? If not, I can show you real quick. Unmute the drums for one moment. I just want to show you. I'm, no one told me to do this, but I'm going to show you. Ready? That's a symbol. So if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but not have love, I'm like this. Doesn't sound really good, does it? Y'all like that? No, of course not. So the Bible's saying, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith, so as to remove mountains, man, I've prayed some good prayers, haven't you, about God, I speak to this mountain, I speak to sickness, I speak life over my family. Come on, how many of you prayed some strong prayers before? Come on. But I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, <laughs> but have not love, I gain nothing. The Bible says that even if all the gifts of the Spirit are manifested through us, we want the gifts. Come on, we want the gifts manifested through us. Without God's love, it would profit us nothing. It would be nothing at all. We really need to get an understanding of this. This will help some of the spiritual giants 
in this church and in the house, watching online. You can pray the right prayers, but if you got no love, it don't mean nothing. If we understood all the mysteries and possessed all knowledge and all faith, but we didn't have God's love operating in us and flowing through us, it would profit us nothing. Even giving to the poor and self-sacrifice, which many people say that's, man, that's, that's love. That's the highest form of love. It's nothing unless we are motivated by love, though. You can do all the right things. You see that with the Pharisees. They did all the right things in the eyes and the presence of the people. But God said, your heart is far from me. So Jesus told them, right? Your heart's far from me. Yeah, you looked apart, you speak apart, but your heart, you're not motivated by love. You're motivated, motivated by greed. You're motivated by gain. What does the Bible say? That what I counted as gain is completely lost, right? Isn't that what Paul said? What are you trying to gain in this life? If you're trying to gain something for your own soul, guess what? You're going to lose it. You're not going to gain nothing. You can, simple version, you ready? My dad taught me this, and I really like this, and I think everyone can really comprehend this. You pay now and play later, or you can play now and pay later. Simple. You can mess around goof off and waste time and make decisions out of the flesh, you'll pay for it. Or you can commit yourself, surrender yourself, and submit yourself, and you'll pay for it. <laughs> Amen? See, we have to be motivated by love in everything that we do. Nothing we do will profit us unless it's done from a motive of God's love. You can see why the God kind of love is important and why the Bible says that it's greater than faith and hope. Now listen, the Bible also says that it is by love, God's love in us, because remember, God's love is in you. See, we think we have to pray for love. Who's ever prayed for love? Let me help you today. You don't got to pray for love anymore. It's in you. The Bible says that it is a fruit, right? How is fruit produced? It's produced out of your spirit. It's produced out of you. It's not like God puts more love in you, more joy in you. No, it's produced out of you. It comes from a place of renewing your mind in him. It's produced. It is a fruit. And notice when you see the fruit of the spirit, that's the first one mentioned. It's because all the other one mean nothing before that first one. See, the Bible didn't say it is by faith or hope that all men will know we are his disciples either. We see in John 13, 36 says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Say it with me. If, John 13, 36, if, do you have it right there? 35, sorry. I have a wrong verse. 35. Ready? Three, two, one. If you have love for one another, how are people going to know that you are my disciples? Your love. For who? The world? No. For the body. See, we put a lot of love and emphasis on the world and people that are unbelievers, and that's good. There has to be that because you have to preach the gospel to them. But it says they will know you 
by your love. They will know that you are his disciples by the love you have for the people within the body. You're going to have to love people in the church. You're going to have to stop comparing yourself, measuring up yourself. No, you're going to have to start loving. You have to. You got to get in a place where you say, you know what? I love you. I might not always agree with you. It's like a family. It's like a family. <laughs> You're going to have to love one another just like a family. And let me help you. In a family, and everyone here and here has a family, it's not always easy at, at times, is it? It's difficult. There's challenges. You got to work through different scenarios. There's difficulty. Guess what? There's difficulty in the church too. But you still have to love. And if we begin to love each other after the spirit more than the flesh, it becomes a lot easier. It'll be very hard to love someone after the flesh. You're not going to be able to do it because your response to life and the things in life is going to be a fleshly response. You're going to want to curse at them. You're going to want to get angry. You're going to want to get fight. You know, just like Rich was saying earlier, he could have acted out in the flesh. He could have gotten to a place where he chose not to. See, and that will continue to grow within you as you submit to the Spirit of God. I won't react naturally or carnally, or fleshly, I'll react according to the spirit in me. My new nature, that's changed me. That's changed me. So the world will know that we are Christians because of the love we have for one another. Now, love defined. See, if the God kind of love is so important, then we need to know what it is. You understand, of course, that the God kind of love is not the same as natural human love. Natural human love can turn to hatred overnight. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> but the God kind of love never fails. It's patient. What is godly love? Here's a definition for you. A love that is motivated from a change within your heart through the new birth by continuing growing in a renewal process of his word in your heart. What is earthly love or a natural human love? a love that is motivated by what is done to us and we react from a place, what is done to us and how we are treated and that's our response. It's very easy to see where Satan can come and attack us when we live in not a godly love, when we begin to live from a natural love and that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to see people after the flesh. But let me help you. You've got to see people after the spirit. What does that mean? Well, remember, you're a three-part being. You have a spirit, or you are a spirit. You live in a body, and you have a soul. And your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and it directly opposes the spirit that's in you. And so you have to do what the Bible says, to not walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. You've got to subject your spirit or your flesh to your spirit. You've got to subject. You've got to put it under and then you got to put on Christ. It's like a garment. You put on Christ. You imitate Christ. This is how love is demonstrated in your life. Now, Satan cannot prevail when we love God. What is godly love? Godly love is three things. Surrender, submission, and commitment. Surrender, submission, and commitment, and I'm sure we can name a lot more words, but for the sake of today, that's the three words I'm going to use. Surrender, submission, and commitment. 
Ultimately, love is obedience because all three embody this, obedience. I find it funny that when we have our kids, we expect obedience from them. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we think he doesn't expect the same thing. He does. He expects obedience because that's what love is. The Bible says there's two commandments, to love one another and to love him. How do you think we love him? Obedience. There's no other way. Because if I just say I love God, but my heart is far from God, well, that's not love. That's the same way the Pharisees were. The religious in that day, they had a form of godliness, but they weren't godly. We must surrender and submit and commit to God. In Matthew 16, verse 24, it says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. If you thought you today, let me just help you. If you thought you had rights in Christ through the flesh, you don't. You don't. Now, you have rights in Christ through the spirit, but through the flesh, no. Meaning that God owes you anything, he don't owe you nothing. I deserve this. You should do this because of what I've done. That's not love, is it? Think about doing that in a marriage relationship or in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Good luck keeping that boyfriend or girlfriend. Ultimatums don't work. It is two people that are surrendering to God that causes a strong marriage, strong relationship. It is when you surrender to God that causes a strong relationship with him. Remember, you are the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. It is a marriage. You submit to him. You honor him. There's going to be things in your life that you're not going to want to submit. That was very, I just not heard how I said that. That's funny. Sorry, I'm just hearing my mannerisms. There's going to be things that you're not going to want to submit, that you're not going to want to change. You're not going to want to give up. That's the flesh. But guess what? You're going to have to because that's the only way you can grow. It's like being in John chapter 15, a branch connected to the vine. He prunes. Guess what? Pruning is love. God loves you so much, he's pruning you. What does prune mean? Oh, man, he's cutting away the things that are distracting you, the things that are overgrowth, the things that are not needed to be there. He's pruning you because he loves you. And when you abide in him, guess what? He abides in you. And you are beginning to produce fruit after what you're connected to. See, the good thing is being in Christ, being in him, being that branch connected to the vine, you're producing the fruit of the spirit in your life. The Bible says, though, when you don't produce fruit, well, he cuts you away. I mean, that's, that's the word. We have to produce fruit. And see, think of it this way. How does the word come into you? Well, it comes to you in seed form. Seed form. And how you steward and manage that word in your heart, that's what's going to produce out of you. How you hear the message. Even now, there's a message of the seed being planted in your heart. You can refuse it or you can receive it. And when you refuse it, it has no chance of growing. It has no chance of getting deeply rooted, just like Laney was saying last week. But when you receive it, oh, it gets deep roots in you. And then when things come, like that palm tree, I could be tossed to it around. Storms can be hard, and I could sway in it. But I'm not going to break. 
because I'm deeply rooted in them. I'm deeply rooted in love. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, I pray this all the time over myself. It says, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith that I am being rooted and grounded in love. When we plant, we plant and ground ourselves in love. It's a love for the church. It's a love for the brethren. It's a love for the body. It's a love for the people. It's a love for the things of God. I'm not just doing it because that's the right thing to do, because that's what we do. I'm doing it because I love. Not only is there a godly love, but there is a brotherly love. We will be all known for the love we have for one another. The Bible says this in 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever love or whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So when I'm loving, it's because of what I've been born of, what I've been made of. Guess what? If you're who's born again today, who's a Christian today, love is in you. It's in you. So love can come out of you. Love can be produced out of you. It's not difficult. It can be produced out of you. That's hope today. That's hope for you today. You're saying it's difficult for me to love. That's because you're trying to love in a fleshly way. You're trying to love in a natural way. It's no longer going to be the plausible way or the most effective way for you. You got to love out of your spirit. I have this brotherly love. Anyone, verse 8, who does not love does not know God because God is love. So if I'm not loving, then that means I don't know God. Let me help you. This whole week, and being in the presence of God and praying, I have experienced a love of God, like an overflow of it, to where can't stop crying, can't stop thinking about the goodness of God. When you get in his presence, you're going to experience the love of God to where it changes your perspective of how you see people around you. When I was praying today, I was praying at the beach this morning, I said, God, help me to preach a message done in love. Help me to communicate in love. Help me to love the people even more than I love them even today. That should be a prayer. That should be a desire within your heart. God, help me to love. And it's done by being in his presence. Because if you try it in the natural, it ain't going to work. Now, if you do it in natural, you're going to get offended, bitter, anger, frustrated. You're going to start working out in the flesh, the soul. And your emotions are going to respond. And that's why when you respond that way, you know it's not right. You're like, why am I doing that? Well, because it's not who you are anymore. You're in the spirit. You're a different person. You're a new, you have a new nature. You're not supposed to love people that way because ultimately that's not love. Even, let me help you today. You may say, well, I know the truth. And they have to hear the truth. If they don't hear the truth, well, they're going to hell. They're wrong. I have to tell them. And I agree wholeheartedly with you, but in the way you communicate and how you do it, you got to think about that first. We can tell people the truth all we want to, but if we do it from a place of arrogance and motivated by hatred, and you got to see it the way I see it, that's not love. That's pride. Tell me where you saw Jesus do that. He spoke the truth in love, and it ticked off the religious people. Ticked them off. They couldn't stand it. 
If your motive of telling somebody the truth is not done and, by, and it's motivated by love, it ain't right. It's not pure. If it's just to tell somebody like it is and what it is and they just need to get over themselves, that's not very godly, is it? No. Do you talk to your wife that way? Do you talk to your husband that way? I hope not because that would be a very tough relationship. So what makes it differently when we talk to people in the house of God and people outside of the house of God? We have to speak it in love. Have to. There's a way of doing it. There's a way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end it's wrong. It's ultimately, God, how would you want me to do this? How should I do this? Let me read 1 Corinthians 13 in its entirety. Verse 4. So he talks about all these things. If I do these things, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4. This is what love is. You ready? And I'm going to read it in the Amplified version. You can put the Amplified, just change the version. A-M-P. just feel like the Amplified version gives a little bit more to us. Listen to the words, okay? Just listen. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to expound on any of it. I just want you to listen. And see in the areas of your own personal life how it cuts you. Because remember, the, the word cuts, it cuts. Even in this moment, I, I know this message is hard to receive. When I was praying, I was like, God, this message is hard. Because the God kind of love goes against everything within us when it comes to our flesh. And if we're constantly living in our flesh and not living in the spirit, this message is going to be hard. I get it. Verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. Next verse. It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. But love, God's love in us, remember, it's in us. You don't have to ask for it. It's in you. It does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For if it is not self-seeking, for it is not self-seeking, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, meaning it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. A suffered wrong. Maybe you experienced wrongdoing. Go back to that verse. It says, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I know it's hard. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And your first response to people, is it already seeing the good in them? Maybe you've known someone for a long time. Do you still see the good in them, even though the wrong they've done, even though the mistakes they've done? I know it's hard. You say, well, yeah, but look what they've done. Look how they speak. Look at their lives. Do you believe the best of every person either way? Do you pray for them still? Do you still have hope for them? Do you still speak to them in love? Still speak life into them? 
Or you say, oh, no, they're too far gone. They're too far gone. No. That's not really love. It, hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Thank God, man. And as for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, guess what? It will be fulfilled and passed away, meaning prophecy is going to be done and gone away with God's. As for tongues, they're going to be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be suspended by the truth. Those things aren't going to mean anything once we get to heaven. You ain't going to need any of that. But love will endure. For our knowledge is fragmentary or incomplete and imperfect, and our prophecy, our teaching is fragmentary or it's in part, incomplete and imperfect. But when the complete and perfect total comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away, become become antiquated, void, and superseded. And here we go. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Now that I've become mature or a man, that just means mature, I am done with childish ways and I put them aside. When I don't love properly, it is immature. I'm still acting like a child. I'm still throwing a fit. But you don't know what they did to me. They deserve it. They deserve my anger. They deserve my words. No, they don't. Jesus on a cross. His words were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you say, well, that's Jesus, not me. Well, you're supposed to imitate him. Don't justify yourself. Oh, I know we do it. I do it too. It's easy, man. I can justify myself for the reasonings and things that I have and do. I've done it before. And usually when I do, if I'm open and I hear the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? He says, hey, you're wrong. You're going to have to forgive him. You can't hold that against him. You can't think like that. See, within this message, I believe that with where you are today, God is working something. He's working something if you allow him to. There's some of you that have unforgiveness in your heart, that have offense in your heart, that have bitterness in your heart. You may not even love yourself. I felt that when I was praying this morning. There's some of you that don't even love yourself. And that is a lie from the enemy. That is deception and manipulation at its finest. Usually that leads to a dark place. And you might already feel in a dark place. Let me help you today. Come to the light. Come to the light. The light, if you're a Christian today, it is in you. It's in you. The light's in you. Today, if it's hard for you to receive things of the gospel, then that might mean that there's something within you that needs to change. If this message today of love rubs you wrong, you don't like it, it just, no, I can't get behind this. There's something you're going to have to let go. There's something that you're going to have to forgive, someone you're going to have to forgive until God is able to work in your life. You can have all the faith in the world. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can be so spiritual in all the world. But until you have love, it means nothing. And I'm going to finish it with this. Luke 15. And I'm just going to read it. This is a parable that Jesus talked to the disciples. 
And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between the two sons. Not many days later, the young The younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. He left home. And there it said that he squandered his property and reckless living, meaning he wasted everything that his father gave him, all of his inheritance on reckless living. That word reckless literally just means wild living. And when he has spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. Man, isn't that how it is? Well, if it's not one thing, it's another thing that comes and follows. And he began to be in need now. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, this man was Jewish, so to go in a place where pigs were, that was unclean. He's at the lowest of lows, guys. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, look at that, when he came to himself, you're going to have to come to yourself right now. It is a time to come to yourself. He said this, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. <laughs> I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servants. And he arose and came up to his father. But while he was a far way off, a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and did the thing that most people would never do. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son trying to get his words out saying, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father not even paying attention to what he's done wrong. And even what he's saying now in his apology, he said this to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Man, I wish I could just break this stuff down with my on time. Put shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this is my son was, who was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and now found. And they began to celebrate. Now watch this. Here comes the older son. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked, what do these things mean, or what, what do these things mean? And the servant said, your brother's come, and your father's killed a fattened calf because he has received them back safe and sound. I guarantee you he was telling him everything that's happened. But he would, responded with anger. And he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father and said, Look, these many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. I've done everything right. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and found. As I was studying this, 
And I have a lot of it broken down, but I don't have time to get into it. Today, which brother are you? You may not be either one either, and that's fine, but this message does speak to someone. Are you the one that just wasted everything, but you still haven't come back to God? Guess what? Jesus used this message to say, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through, there's nothing too great to where you can't come back to me. But you're going to have to come to the end of yourself. And you're going to have to run to the Father. And he's going to run to you and embrace you. He's going to celebrate you because you've come back. Or you could be like the older brother. Now he should have deserved something different. <laughs> you should have made him be a servant. You shouldn't even let him come back. Look what I've done. I've never asked you for anything. When he says, don't you already know you have everything? You already have everything in God today, church. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.